Montica's Spotlight series explores the principles that underpin Montica's high-conviction global investment strategy. Join Chief Investment Officer Andy Mackin and Portfolio Manager Chris DeMassey as they continue their journey in long-term compounding. Hi, everyone. It's Andy here. In this podcast, Chris and I discuss the significant volatility that equity markets have delivered investors in the opening weeks of 2022. It's all being driven by inflation and interest rate expectations, particularly in the US. But with the average stock in the S&P 500 already down 17% from its recent peak, and the average NASDAQ stock down a staggering 44%, we share a few reasons why it may be true that equity markets may have already overshot to the downside. Enjoy. So Chris, it's been uh, quite a start to 2022. As of a few days ago, the average stock in the S&P 500 had already declined 17% from its recent peak and the the average NASDAQ stock is already down a staggering 44%. So that's quite a setup to start the year. So um, let's dig into that. What do you make of it to get going? I think the moves are astronomical and mind-blowing that stocks could be off that much so quickly. I think I saw the other day that it's the worst start through to mid-January of any year going back almost 100 years. And yet what what I think is probably one of the most interesting things as we look through um, our portfolio, especially with fourth quarter 2021 reports coming through this week and, and last week, is just a stark difference between the stock market performance and market price movements and the fundamental resilience that we're seeing in a lot of the portfolio companies um, uh, that we hold. Yeah, and we'll get into this in a moment, but you know, it's all inflation and interest rate expectations which are driving sort of the markets in the aggregate. But then when you, as you say, you peel back and look under the hood of some of our investee companies, such as a, you know, a Microsoft or a Blackstone, for example, I mean, they are just firing on all cylinders. Yeah, they are. Microsoft uh, published a result where their revenues were up 20% to $52 billion and, the prof- and their profits were up uh, 24% to $22 billion. And they're two big cloud businesses, Azure and Office 365, as you said, are firing. Um, but even the day that they released their results, uh, the stock traded off 5% in the pre-market. And it wasn't until later in the day that it rebounded. And I think it just reflects a lot of the broader market-wide skittishness at a lot of the uh, the macro concerns in the marketplace as people look out over very short horizons, so like over the next couple of months or a couple of quarters. And, you know, if anything, it's an opportunity for us if we're focused on the, the medium or the long term because it's definitely not reflecting what's going on at these companies. Yeah, I think it gives us a lot of comfort that, um, you know, in the midst of big sell-offs, we're now all of our major holdings that have reported to date, um, the stocks have been up significantly on those results. Um, so, you know, from Microsoft to Blackstone to ServiceNow, Visa, United Health, and, you know, stock prices rallying hard on fundamental information. I mean, that's that's what we play for because we are fundamental investors and we know that over the long term fundamentals are going to win out over sort of short term gyrations associated with, you know, 
uh, will it be three interest rate hikes or four interest rate hikes? <laughs> you know, and that's just all noise that that'll shake out over the course of the decade. I mean, I think there's definitely a, a lot of a lot of noise in there at the moment, and I, I think um, you know you can have a look at where stock prices are today compared to where they were at the end of at the end of last year. And I think even with some of our larger holdings, which aren't off as much as the market, but they've still sold down, they're starting to represent even better bargains than what they were when we looked at the portfolio uh, towards the end of the year last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for those who are interested, uh, you know, we've been incrementally buying as stocks have been getting cheaper. Um, we certainly haven't been selling. And I think a, a key theme that you'll you know, hear from us in this podcast and other, you know, various um, pieces of writing that we're doing is that we think that the arguments for buying and adding to your position at these prices are much stronger than the arguments um, for selling, even though the arguments for selling are what, you know, what are driving the, the headlines on all the, you know, global financial press at the moment, because, you know, you certainly get more eyeballs um, if you can print some scary headlines. And we are seeing plenty of those and we've seen plenty of those in the last few weeks. Yeah, there's a lot around. It always starts with inflation, pretty quickly moves to interest rates. And then um, I think a lot of the fear is around what does that then mean for equity or asset prices at large, but then specifically to our corner of the world, equities. And and you had some numbers around this, right? You had some numbers around um, stock price movements, but also valuations in the context of interest rate movements. I think you should talk a bit about how you're thinking about the interest rate movements compared to the valuation of equities because you know when you were talking to me about it earlier it definitely seems as though a lot has played out already and that reinforces our view that there's some really really good bargains in the marketplace right now yeah so it's it's fairly well understood that if interest rates go up then all else being equal um you know asset valuations should go down and what quite instructive i think is to try to create some mappings between those um and so in simple terms if the say the us yield curve were to go up by one percent and all that means is that you know all interest rates short term medium term and long term go go up it's sort of by an equivalent amount by one percent then you would expect for many of our holdings, you know, a name like Microsoft and others, um, the valuation, all else being equal, would fall by around 15 to 20%. And that's that number's just interesting um, because, as we said right up front, uh, many names are off mm. by even more than that already. Yeah. Um, but a couple of points to make. First of all, that's that's assuming that it, you, you can sustain a 1% increase in all maturity uh in, in interest rates across all maturities um over the long term and we're not sure that you can and we'll come back to that but then another another uh, important point is that all is not equal because um oh, sorry all, all else is not equal because uh in an inflationary environment where interest rates may need to be higher the businesses that we own can actually price for that and i feel like that's a that's a 
not the most well understood point. So if you're a business like Microsoft, you know, you can easily increase the price of, um, you know, Microsoft 365 or Microsoft Office or, you know, Microsoft Teams that, you know, 280 million, um, you know, monthly users rely on every day and they they haven't started pricing for that at all. So there's, there's plenty of scope for these very high quality businesses to actually increase their cash flows uh, in an inflationary environment. Uh, and that sort of undermines that argument that says, well, yeah. all else being equal, you know, stock should be down 20%. It's just really not the case. Yeah. And, and in fact, when I just look at a couple of our investee companies, Microsoft being one, and then um, and then also Apple last week that reported, um, you, can, you can start to see that pricing lever being pulled, but that's sort of just what has always happened. And I think your point is there's just tremendous scope left to continue to charge upwards in an inflationary environment. But, you know, you can see like they commented on like-for-like pricing around the Office 365 package. That that continues to go up mid-single digits, high-single digits. And then I thought it was also interesting to see that um, in, a, in an inflationary environment, the gross margins for Apple's products have actually expanded um, over four percentage points uh, from year to year. And so that's just an indication that as quickly as prices can go up and that might be that might be a transitory thing, it might be a little bit longer, um, these excellent companies are able to are able to push that through and and uh, and still sell tremendous amounts of their products and services. Absolutely. So so all else is not equal. Um, stocks are already down quite a bit, um, and that's assuming that the 1% sensitivity uh, holds yeah. across all maturities on a sustained basis. Now, let's dig into that assumption a little bit as well. Because, yeah, that's you right. Know, I was going to ask you because the activity and the action and the commentary is always around the short end of the yield curve, especially uh, because it represents where the fund, Fed funds rate is going to go. But the same is not true for long-term rates, right? That's right. So so bond markets, you know, they tell us something. Um and what bond markets have been telling us is that at the short end of the curve, so two-year, and, and we'll just stick to the US bond markets, the two-year treasury yields. So if you lend to the US government for two years, uh, the interest rate on that over the last three months has increased by about 0.7 of a percent. And that makes sense because expectations of the, the Fed hiking interest rates. So, of course, you know the, the Fed can really when they talk about their policy rate, that's at the short end of the curve or very short maturities. So uh, if you if you lend to the government uh, in the US for two years, uh, that interest rate has just gone up by 0.7%. Now, if if inflation, if the economy is as, as strong as everybody says and inflation is as, as sustained as uh, many fear, then you would expect if you were lending to the government for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, then surely, your interest rate should have also gone up by 0.7 of a percent, but it has not. Uh, it has increased by just 0.1 of a percent. So th- that is that is the bond market's way of telling us that bond markets think that the US economy may not be able to sustain higher interest rates for a long period of time. 
So, the long, so, so risk-free rates, bond rates give you an extra one-tenth of one percent over the long term. And then I compare that to uh, just this morning, I was taking a look at where PE ratios for the broad equity indices are, and the S&Ps traded from a 23 times forward PE down to 20 times, and the MSCI world has traded from just over 20 to under 18 times. So you flip that around, and even on current earnings, where equity prices have fallen to, it means that equity markets are now providing an extra, call it 1% return, just on just on current earnings. Um, that's without getting into a discussion around the the better growing companies, uh, like the ones that we have in our our portfolio. So yeah, I, I I find it. Um, yeah, there's this, this dichotomy and, and almost this great irony between long-term bond rates giving you an extra tenth of a percent of a point of return and, you know, within the first few weeks of the year, already equities are more, more and more promising and they're already offering you a percentage point or more on top of what they were just at the end of last year. Exactly right. So there's there's a mismatch there uh, and, and that that is one of the important reasons why, um, you know, it may well be true that equities have already uh, overshot to the downside. Um, of course, you know who knows. We'll wait and see. And and um, you know the 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 moods of Mr. Market um, are not always rational and totally analytical. Um, but we think it is important to bring some sort of sober analytical facts and and those mappings, if you like, between interest rates and and what that implies for um, valuations as well. Um, the, the the final point I want to dig into is is really just on inflation itself. And I mean we as listeners will know we we prefer um, we much prefer to you know focus on on the long term and invest for the next 10 years and we do. But um, again just given how topical inflation and short-term inflation expectations have become and given how they are driving markets um, and they have over the last few weeks and months. We just want to touch on a few points here that that suggest that it's 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 far from clear that this heavily inflationary environment is actually sustainable over the long term. And, and the, a couple of points I want to bring up, the first is that the most recent US GDP number that came out just a few days ago, 6.9% real GDP growth in the last quarter. Uh, I mean, that is a thumping growth rate. And, and that is that is so far above trend that any anyone would say, well, if if that's the rate at which the economy is growing, then of course inflation, inflationary pressures um, will will mount. Uh, it, remember, inflation is just the result of an economy growing above its capacity, if you like. So when it is growing too fast, inflation pressures mount and the, the Fed needs to step in and, and slow down the economy. But what was staggering in that number was that of the 6.9% growth rate, 4.9 percentage points or nearly three quarters of the growth related to a buildup of inventories in the US economy. Uh, and that's like that's not a very persistent source of growth. It, it, you know, it'd be very different if if that was you know the 
the growth relating to personal consumption or government expenditures or something like that. But the buildup of inventories is more like a a non-persistent form of growth. It's like a kind of a one-time deal. So when you take that out, then actually growth is nowhere near as strong as it appears. Uh, So that's point number one. Point number two is when you look at some statistically significant well, historically, statistically significant leading indicators of inflation uh, in the US, they have inflation rolling over easily within the next 12 months. Point number three is that China, which is the world's second largest economy, is already, as of today, in an industrial recession, i.e. physical activity growth has already turned negative and, and government stimulus to sort of try to warm the economy back up has already commenced. So, you see the headlines, um, you know, and you see, you know, Wall Street Journal the other day, US inflation hit 7% in December, the fastest pace since 1982. So like, that's all true. um, But it is backwards looking. And it's very, you know, at best, it's very short term focus. And it doesn't really, you know, address what inflation will be a year from now, two years from now. And therefore, you know, this idea that interest rates will have to be significantly higher and on a much more sustained basis. That is far from clear in our view. Yeah, and it really looks as though there's, at least at the un- an underlying level, a healthy level of growth and a healthy level of inflation, um, which is a complete contrast to some of these numbers, at least on the headline, that look as though the economy's running super hot and the brakes need to be applied really quickly and really urgently. And I'd say that if that is the case, if we're back in a world where there's a healthy level of growth and a healthy level of inflation um, and prices can go up, I, I think that's only good for the sorts of businesses that are in, in the Monica portfolios and funds. Absolutely. So, look, I mean, I, I think our message to Montica's investors are simply, you know, stay the course. Um, and as we said right up front, I mean, the arguments when we sort of lay out the facts that the arguments for and against, it, it seems to us that there are much stronger arguments today to be acquiring um, the world's highest quality businesses than to be selling them. Absolutely. We'll be sticking to that. All righty. Thanks, Chris. We'll leave it there. Um, Thank you. Talk to you next month. Speak to you then. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to Montica Spotlight Series. For questions or feedback, please email question at montica.com. Andy and Chris would love to hear from you.